Alright, good morning everybody. If you would, if you've got a hard, if you guys are old school like I am, and you've got a hard copy of the Bible with you, keep your marker there in Psalm 33 and 34. We're going to spend a good bit of time in these Psalms today, um, but not only in these Psalms today. Uh, what if I was to ask you today to share with all of us, what have been your three greatest struggles over the past year. Your three greatest spiritual problems, your three greatest spiritual challenges, three greatest temptations, trials, sins that you're struggling with um, in your walk with the Lord. What have been the three greatest trials you've faced this year? Um, I would guess that uh, many of us, I would guess from my conversations with you all, that for more than half of us, um, maybe three-quarters of us. Um, at least one of those struggles would be relate, something related to fear or anxiety. I think probably more than half of us would say, this year we've struggled with fear, we've struggled with anxiety. This has been a difficult year for that, and, uh, and that's been a challenge. But what if I told you today that actually God wants you to be afraid? God wants you to fear. Let me introduce this topic another way. Um, are there any of you here today, or joining us online today, are there any of you here who are questioning whether or not you should listen to God right now, or whether you can trust in His Word? Is there anybody who is struggling with obeying God right now in your life? Struggling with maybe with withholding something from God that God, you know God has asked you to give to him and to, in obedience to his will. Is there anybody who's struggling with turning away from evil? Um, do you find yourself falling into the same traps, the same temptations, the same trials over and over and over again? Traps that you know, if you don't get out of them, they're going to end up destroying you. They're going to lead to death. Or maybe, are there some of you here who are struggling with uh, having a hard time learning to hate what is evil? I mean, that's a little bit harder than not committing evil, is learning to hate it. Um, learning to hate perverted speech. Learning to hate pride and arrogance. Are you having a hard time handling the tests that you've been faced with this year? Having a hard time dealing with and enduring in a godly way all of the tests that have come your way this year. Uh, maybe you're struggling with being afraid of certain people or of certain changes or of certain viruses this year. Uh, men, are you too caught up in the pursuit of wealth? And ladies, do you find yourself overly concerned with how you look or too concerned about impressing others? Um, are you struggling this year with finding the motivation and the courage to persuade other people about the Lord? The Bible says that the solution to all of these problems that I've just mentioned, to all of these struggles, is the same. And it might surprise you, the biblical solution is fear. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. Listen to the words of Yahweh from Deuteronomy chapter 5. In verse 29, where the Lord says, Oh, that they had such a mind as this always, to fear me 
and to keep my commands that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. And again, Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? The preacher says it this way at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes ends this way in chapter 12 and verse 13. The end of the matter, when all has been heard, is this. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Or the psalmist says it this way in the psalm we just read, Psalm 33 and verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him or stand in awe of him. Uh, just to show you how extensive this theme is in Scripture, let me continue a little bit. Isaiah, in I the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 8 and verse 11, For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me, and he warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. Good message for us today. And do not fear what they fear nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. Unless you think this is just like an, an Old Testament theme, an Old Testament theme, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Or how about the Apostle Paul, who wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. He said, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, how? In the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What will motivate us to cleanse ourselves from all defilements and perfect holiness? It's the fear of the Lord. And finally, notice the emphasis given to the fear of the Lord in Peter's first letter. We've been reading together on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. from 1 Peter. So turn with me if you would there. And I just want to show you that this theme of fear is all over the letter. Uh, it's all over the verses that we've already read, and it's, it's going to continue to be all over the verses uh, that we're going to discuss tonight as well. So look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 17 with me. 1 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 17, and listen to what the scripture says. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves... In fear during the time of your stay. Notice that. Conduct yourselves in fear. Fear of what? Fear of the Lord. Chapter 2 and verse 17 says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. And then in verse 18, when speaking to servants, he says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. And I don't think he's talking about there just fearing your masters. 
He's talking about fearing your master in heaven. Skipping down to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, In the same way you wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won over without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your pure conduct in fear. And again, I don't think he's just talking there about fearing your husbands. He's talking there about fearing the true husband, your faithful husband. A wife is to fear and to respect her husband because of her fear and her respect for God himself. Continuing in verse 5, For in this way the holy women of former times who hoped in God also used to adorn themselves, being subject to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have proved to be her children, if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You see what he's saying here? The idea here that Peter is stressing, both for servants and for wives, is that learning to fear God and to hope in God will free them from all other frightening fears. And it will move them to live in ways that are obedient and, to, and submissive to God. And that's not just true for wives or for servants. That's true for all of us. Skip down to verse 14. Last one I'll show you here. Um, in verse 14, he says this, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, starting in verse 13. Who is, good, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, or more literally, honor Christ as as Lord. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always being prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and with fear. You see what Peter's saying here? Peter is saying that actually it's a fear of the Lord that will lead you to become everything that God wants you to be. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about today um, why we need to fear the Lord and how we learn to fear the Lord. And I'll just say this at the start. Um, as, I, as we've been reading through 1 Peter again and looking at these things over the past month, uh, this has been convicting to me. Uh, this, has been, uh, this has led me to, uh, to confession. It's led me to much prayer. And it's led me to rededicate myself more diligently to the study of the scriptures. Um, one of the things that has come to my mind as I've been reading this is that uh, the root of all of my problems in life is that I don't really fear the Lord like I ought to fear him. And underneath all of our struggles, underneath all of our fears, our anxieties, underneath all of our sins that we haven't given up yet, those problems that we're still struggling with, that we haven't let go of, is a lack of fear of the Lord. So I hope you'll pay close attention. Uh, we're going to dig into a good bit of this psalm, and we're going to look at a few other scriptures uh, still today. But turn back with me to Psalm 33, and I, I want to start there, and I want us to look, just look at this, and I want us to see what is this, these psalms teach us about why we need to fear God, why we need to learn to fear the Lord. Let's start in Psalm 33, and I want to pick up the reading in verse 18. Listen to what he says. 
Psalm 33, uh, actually verse 16, I want to start there. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. By the way, those of you who have been reading with us the books of history this year, doesn't that just remind you of so many stories in the Bible? Where people had way more horses, where they had this huge warrior, or these huge giants that they were going up against, and yet no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But, look at verse 18. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him and on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. Why do we need to fear the Lord? Well, the first reason is because we cannot protect ourselves. We don't have the strength. We don't have the power. We don't have the wealth. We don't have the ability to protect us all by ourselves. We need to fear the Lord because the Lord is our protector. Skip down to chapter 34, Psalm 34, beginning in verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Why do we need to fear the Lord? Well, the truth is that we've learned from experience that we cannot deliver ourselves. Why don't you think about that? Think about the times in your life where you've got yourself in trouble. Sometimes it's by your own poor choices, right? Sometimes in life we get ourselves in trouble and it's nobody's fault but ours, right? Have you ever been in trouble like that? And you couldn't get yourself out of it. You couldn't overcome it on your own. You couldn't rescue yourself. You couldn't redeem yourself. You couldn't ransom yourself out of it. There's nothing you could do to get yourself out of that. Some of us have been there. Truthfully, some of us have been in other troubles too. Troubles that may not have been our fault. Troubles where we had people coming against us, where we had en enemies coming against us, where we had people fighting against us, where we have forces that are coming against us that are seeking to destroy us. And again, we found ourselves powerless to deliver ourselves. We cannot deliver ourselves. But you know what? The Lord is our deliverer. Notice again verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. He takes away our shame. He delivers us out of all our troubles. He sends his angel to encamp around us if we fear him. And he delivers. Thirdly, why do we need to fear the Lord? We need to fear the Lord because we cannot provide for ourselves. Look at Psalm 34, verses 8 through 11. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his people, his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. 
The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I love that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good to those who take refuge in him, to those who fear him, to those who put their trust in him and hope in him. The Lord makes sure that they lack nothing. The Lord is a good provider. And as you look back in your life and you look at the times in your life where you feared the Lord, can you, can't you say that? There have often been times where I've lacked things that I wanted, right? There have often been times where there are things we wanted that we were lacking. But there has never been a time where I have lacked what I have needed, what I have ultimately needed with the Lord. The Lord is our provider. And that's good news because we cannot provide for ourselves. Lastly, why do we need to fear the Lord? Well, we need to fear the Lord because we cannot guide ourselves. That is to say, um, and I think this is the reason why the psalmist here feels the need to teach us. Verse 11, um, come my children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The reason he, need, he, he feels the need to teach us the fear of the Lord is because he has realized from his own experience, David realized this, that he could not guide himself. He didn't know how to lead himself. He didn't know where to lead himself. He, he didn't know how to protect himself. He didn't know how to, which way to go. And there were times where David tried to do things his own way. Remember those times? They did not go well for him. He had learned that he needed the Lord as his guide. And we all, if we are honest, we all know this is true. Again, think about the times in your life where you have tried to navigate the minefields of life all on your own. Think about the times in life where you leaned on your own understanding. And probably all of us can look back at times in our life when we did that, and it did not go well. It led us into lots of problems. Uh, and, we're, 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 and some of us, we've got blown up on more than one occasion. And we've got the scars and the pains to prove it. From times where we chose to lean on our own understanding and it blew up in our face. Proverbs 14 verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. We've talked about this before. But the book of Proverbs is a book talking about all the snares of life, all the traps that are in life that you can fall into. And what he says is that the fear of the Lord is what's going to teach you how to avoid them. It's what's going to show you when there's a trap that you can't see. The fear of the Lord will teach you how to see the traps before you fall into them and how to, how to, how to miss them, how to avoid them in life. Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all those who practice it have good understanding. Have you seen that in life? Have you seen people who from the world's standards, from the world's point of view, they have incredible wisdom. And yet you look at their life and you see some of the choices they make and they just keep hurting themselves over and over and over again. Because no amount of worldly wisdom can save them from a lack. Of fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all those who practice it have good understanding. So notice that, uh, this is a good transition here, notice in Psalm 111, all those who practice it have good understanding. 
That is to say, the fear of the Lord is not just something that you feel. It is something that you practice. So let's talk about what does the scriptures teach us about how to learn to fear the Lord? How do we learn to fear God? Uh, how do we learn to truly have a deep fear of the Lord? Uh, and let me just start with this. The scriptures teach us that the beginning of the fear of the Lord is to have an open mind and a teachable spirit. And that's like really popular to say that in uh, New York City today. Um, you know, open-minded, teachable spirit, be a learner. That's good, right? But here's the key. To have an open mind and a teachable spirit that seeks to learn from the Lord. That is to say, we're not, we're not just talking about here, be open-minded and, 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 and have this teachable spirit and learn from everybody. That's not to say there aren't things that we can learn from everybody. There are. But the number one place that I should be turning for my education, for all of my learning, for all of the teaching that I am receiving, ought to be the Lord. Not anyone else, not any other pastor or preacher or teacher, not anybody else but the Lord. That's where I'm going to learn. How to fear the Lord. I'm going to learn it from him. One of the things the Proverbs uh, remind us of a lot is to remember your own foolishness. Do you remember in Proverbs 1 verse 7, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7, he says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You know, learning to fear the Lord begins here with a spirit and a heart that is open to letting God teach me, to letting God train me, to letting God correct me and discipline me and fashion me into what he wants me to be. You see, a lot of us, we have ideas out there about what we think God should make us be, right? We, we have a lot of ideas about the way we think life should go or the way we think we would be most happy or most satisfied or most fulfilled. And what the Proverbs are teaching us is that we do not know how best to direct our own paths. Isn't that what Proverbs chapter 3, um, I know some of you love this text. I love this text. Proverbs chapter 3 says, in those famous verses um, that I alluded to earlier. Let me just read it so I don't butcher the quotation here. Um, trust in the Lord, verse 5, with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. An honest admission that I am not so wise that I do not yet know everything, that I could be missing something, will keep me coming back to the Lord and learning from the Lord how to fear the Lord. Listen to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. I love this. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding, Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Why? Well, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. 
Isn't that so true? If we want to learn the fear of the Lord, we've got to seek to listen to God. We've got to seek God's commands and be attentive to his wisdom. I've got to incline, I love that, incline my heart to understanding, to God's understanding. I've got to call out for insight. I have to raise up my voice for understanding. And I want you to think about what are you raising up your voice for? What are you calling out for? What are you crying out for? What are you inclining your heart toward in your life right now? I love to seek and search for it like hidden treasure. I want you to imagine that uh, the Lord appeared to you today. Not, I'm not telling any of you to expect that, uh, by the way. But I want you to imagine that the Lord appeared to you today and he told you that in your house, in your apartment, when you go back home, there is a hidden treasure, a hidden jewel that is worth hundreds, thousands of dollars. What would you do? Would you search for it? Some of us would leave the service early, right? We go home, we gotta go. Guys, I gotta go, I'll see you next week. I got, I got some important business to attend to here. And we'd search, we'd dig up everything in that house. We'd tear the walls apart to find that. Because it's a treasure, it's valuable, precious. Do you view the word of God that way? Do you have that same kind of zeal? Do you have that same kind of heart that seeks and searches day after day for his treasures, the treasures that will teach you to fear him. If we want to learn to fear the Lord, it's not going to happen by us devoting less than 1% of our week to listening to him. Do you know what that is, 1%? 1% of your day, as one of my mentors used to say a lot, uh, is, uh, it's less than 15 minutes. So, um, But I want you to think about that. For some of us to spend 1% of our, day, of our days in the Word of God would be an upgrade from where we are, right? 15 minutes a day, that would be an upgrade. But think about this. Ultimately, we spend so much time doing lots of other things, learning about lots of other things, that, that many of which have no eternal value whatsoever, just all temporal stuff. Like, that's important now for the moment, but it's all temporal. And yet we can't seem to find the time to give 1% of our day to learning, to fear the Lord in the Word of God. And yet we wonder, like, why am I having such a hard time with this sin? Why can't I overcome this? Why am I so afraid of what people think about me? Or why am I so afraid of everything I see on the news? Why, is, why are all those things, like, making me panic all the time? And yet the problem begins here. We don't fear the Lord like we ought to. Because we aren't listening to the Lord like we ought to. Let me just add one thought here before we move on. We need to learn to listen to the Lord, not just by ourselves. We need to learn to listen with other faithful people of God, other disciples to his word. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 10, the Lord told the people, assemble the people before me. This is what the Lord, he's talking about uh, when they came together on Sinai. But he says, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to fear me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. As you read through the book of Deuteronomy, often they call it, they're called to come together to listen to the Lord, to learn to fear the Lord. What I want you to see is 
If you want to learn to fear the Lord, it doesn't happen all, your, all by yourself. The heart is deceptive. If I only read the scripture by myself, there's a lot of things that I may be blinded to that I'm not going to come to see. Were it not for other people whom God has put in my life to help open my eyes to things that my heart, my hardened heart, has blinded me to in his word. And this is why God calls us to, if we want to learn to fear the Lord, it doesn't happen by ourselves, that we must come together. We must assemble. We must come together to learn the fear of the Lord. That's why we come together. We come together to learn to fear God. Let me just say this too to any parents here. If you want your children to learn to fear the Lord, bring them to the assemblies of God's people. When the people of God gather together, bring your children so that they may learn to fear the Lord. If we send our children to school, think about this, to be educated by people of the world, mostly, how much more should we be sending our children to the church to be educated by the people of God? Isn't that true? If I'm going to invest in sending my kids to school so that they can learn from people of the world, how much more do they need to be in the church learning from the people of God, learning how to fear the Lord? Well, it doesn't end there. Starts with an open mind, an open heart that's seeking the Lord's commands. But it continues, the, learning the fear of the Lord continues with meditation. And I want to give you something specifically that the Bible teaches us to meditate on if we want to learn the fear of the Lord. It's right here in Psalm 33. We're coming to that in just a second. But we've got to learn to meditate on the mighty hand of the Lord. The mighty hand of the Lord. What do I mean by that? Well, this is so important because if you are struggling with fear right now, listen to how the Lord taught his people to overcome fear in the book of Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 17. This is what he says. He says, you may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? Listen to what the Lord says. Do not fear them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs, and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. You see what God is saying to them? You want to learn how to overcome fear? You want to learn how to overcome anxiety? This is how, look at the mighty hand of God. Look at what God did for you when you were enslaved in Egypt. Look at how he delivered you out of slavery. Look at what he did to the most powerful man in the world. How he humbled him. How he humiliated him in front of his whole nation. How he took the strongest nation in the world and crippled them before this group of slaves and then led them out on dry land through a sea and then brought the sea back over to cover the horses and the chariots and the riders of Pharaoh's army. Look at the mighty hand of God. That's how you learn to fear the Lord. Look at Psalm 33 again with me. And I want you to see this in the psalm. In this psalm, he's teaching us how to fear the Lord. Well, how do we learn to fear the Lord? Why is the psalmist singing to the Lord? And why is he praising the Lord? Well, look at me. Look with me in verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He's faithful in all he does. 
When you come to see that actually every, every one of God's commands is not only true, but it's actually good, and it's for your good, it'll lead you to trust Him more, to fear Him more. The Lord loves righteousness, verse 5, and justice. The earth is full of His unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of His mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. And he puts the deep into storehouses. Imagine you're having a dream. And an angel takes you up into heaven. It'd be a beautiful dream, right? Um, he takes you up into the heavens to show you God's storage units. Now, I don't know if God uses uh, CubeSmart or Stop and Store or which storage unit he uses up there in heaven. But imagine the angel takes you into God's storage unit. And you're in... You're in the heavens, you're in the storage units of God, and, and, and now the angel's showing you around. He says, hey, check this out. And he shows you this jar. That's the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, there's another jar over here. That's the, that's the Pacific. That's the Arctic. That's the Indian. Think about that. The oceans in the hands of God, they're like those little mason jars that in the South we drink sweet tea out of, you know, like uh, at restaurants. That's how small... I mean, you, we, we go to the ocean, right? We go to the beach. Enormous, scary, fearful. I mean, when I'm there, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also a fearful thing to be on the water, to see the, the vast oceans, the vast deep. For God, it's like a little jar. You know, he could hold it in his hand, easy. He could probably hold two in his, two, two in his hand at the same time, you know? It's nothing to God. He spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Verse 10, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. Once you think about this, while all the kings of the earth make their plans and take their stands against the Lord, Psalm 2, what is God doing up in heaven? Is God like, wow, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I don't know how we're going to solve this. Look at these guys down there doing all these things. They're ruining my world. Is God up in heaven like afraid? You know what Psalm 2 says? The Lord sits in heaven and laughs. He's laughing. Why is he laughing? Because the nations are like specks in the sight of God. Kings are nothing in his hand. That's why in Psalm 2 he says, serve the Lord with fear. Fear the Lord. He's the one you need to turn to. He foils the plans of the nation. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But his plans, notice it, his plans stand forever. They stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart throughout all generations. Can we look back at history and say there's only been one king throughout all of history whose plan has never failed, whose plan has always been faithful? whose plans were never foiled by other rulers or other nations. There's only one king who's ever been like that, and it's God himself. He is so high, he is so high that, look at verse 13, from heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches over all who live on earth. You go outside and take a look around and see how far you can see. How much of the world can you see? In New York it's tough because the building's blocking everything. But even if you're to go out in like Kansas, the middle of nowhere, and you're going to sit on the prairie out there, um, and you're just going to look out. I mean, how far can you see? How much of the world 
can you see? God is so high and lofty that when he looks down, he sees every human on earth. He can see it all. There's nothing that escapes his notice. I love this. He forms the hearts of all. Verse 15. He considers everything they do. The Lord forms us. Will not the one who formed me know best how to help me flourish, how to help me live and endure and find eternal life? No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. Horses are not going to help you to find deliverance. Nor tanks, nor bombs, nor money, nor wealth. None of those things will save you. None of those things will protect you. Not having your favorite people in office, not having uh, your party in power, none of those things are ultimately going to be a source of security for you in the end. The one thing that will be is having the Lord as the one you fear. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. Are you worried? Well, know this, if you fear the Lord, his eyes are on you. He looks on you. He looks after you. Are you troubled? Are you afraid? Fear the Lord, and the only one who can truly hurt you will be the one who is your greatest helper and friend. Psalm 25 says this, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. If I learn to fear the Lord, he's not just some angry God up there who's looking to wipe me out and destroy me. If I learn to fear the Lord, he's my friend. And he makes known his covenant to them. Meditate on the mighty hand of God. Feed on his faithfulness, his mighty power, his great wisdom, his amazing works, his unfailing love. Finally, if we're going to learn to fear the Lord, it's not enough to just look at God and know God. What that will produce in me if I'm meditating on God and if I come to see God as he truly is, you know what that's going to produce in me? Quick and full Speedy and full obedience. And that's a part of fearing the Lord. Learning to practice the fear of the Lord is to obey the Lord's commands fully. Look at Psalm 34 and verse 11 again, where he teaches us how to fear the Lord. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. What do you need to do? Keep your tongue from evil. Your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. If we want to come, if we want to learn to fear the Lord, it doesn't end with just learning about the Lord. It ends in full and complete submission to the Lord. When did the Lord learn that Abraham feared him? Do you guys remember this story? Genesis 22. Now I know, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, now I know that you fear God. That's what Genesis 22 and verse 12 says. Don't withhold from God what he asked for. Don't hold out on God. If he says, hey, you need to give me this, he knows best. He's not doing that for your evil. He's doing it for your good. Trust him and don't hold out on God. And Closely along with this, God gives his people tests, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 20. God gives his people tests so that 
they will come to learn to fear him. Do you know what that means? If you're going through trials this year, if you're, if you're facing a lot of tests right now in your life, embrace them. Embrace them as an opportunity to learn to fear God. Embrace the tests that come to you as an opportunity to learn and to prove both to God and to yourself and to everybody else that you have a true fear of God. Put away all your other gods and discipline your mind to stop focusing on all the storms of life and to place your fear on the one who rules above all the storms of life. Tell the truth. Uh, it's interesting, it was interesting to me how often fearing the Lord is spoken of in those terms. If you fear the Lord, you'll tell the truth. You'll speak the truth. You'll be honest. Um, you'll be careful how you talk. You'll walk in his ways. You'll do what is right. You won't just listen to his commands. You'll learn to delight in them. That is, you'll learn to see, actually, God's commands are actually what's best. God's commands are actually good for me. He's not asking for these just, for my, uh, just to hurt me. He's asking for me to do these things actually for my own good and to help me. And if we learn to fear the Lord, then that's going to lead us, as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, to cleanse ourselves from every defilement. Anything that's displeasing to the Lord, anything that's keeping me from being close to the Lord, there won't be any sin. If I've learned to fear the Lord, there won't be any sin, any defilement that I'm going to try to hold on to and say, you know what? Let me just see how much of this I can have and still be close to God. As I come to fear God, every sin, every defilement, I'll be working to get it out of my life. I'll be careful about what I put into my mind, about what I watch on, on uh, my subscription, my streaming devices, about what I listen to. All of those things will matter. Why? Because I'm trying to be pleasing to God. And so anything that could, could be displeasing to Him, I'm going to be careful about it. There won't be any of sin or any defilement that I'm going to try to hold on to any longer. Well, let's conclude um, just a few thoughts as we wrap this up. Look at the end of Psalm 34, verse 15, starting. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. You know, the greatest reason, the one thing about our God that separate, I mean, I shouldn't say that. There's a whole lot of things about our God that separate him from every other God in this world that people worship. But the greatest reason to fear the Lord is because he is so different from every other God. In every way, but I want to especially emphasize this today as we end. You know, a lot of people, uh, we've, got, we've got a pretty diverse group here. I was talking to a couple of uh, saints yesterday, people who fear the Lord, who, uh, who were formerly Muslim. And this is an interesting topic to talk about, uh, fear of the Lord with people who are formerly Muslim. 
because the picture of God, if you read the Quran, is a very terrifying picture where he is an angry God who's always up there and he's looking to wipe out anybody who destroys you, destroy, who, who disobeys him or who breaks his commands. One of the things, though, that I love about Scripture is that Scripture teaches us that God is to be feared not just because of his mighty power and his mighty hand, his outstretched arm, but also because the earth is full of his unfailing love. In fact, Peter hints at that in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17. You remember those verses? The first time Peter tells you to conduct yourself in fear, he says two things that should lead us to fear. One, he says, if you call his father the one who judges impartially. All right? So that's kind of like the terrifying part. Like, hey, he's going to judge you impartially. He's not going to, just because you're his child doesn't mean you can keep on doing evil. You know, it's not like that kind of father who lets their kids get away with all kind of evil stuff, but everybody else gets punished for the bad things they do. That's not the kind of God he is. He's, he is a fair and just, a righteous judge. But he doesn't stop there. Look at the next thing he says, 1 Peter chapter 1 and uh, in verse 17. So conduct yourself in fear, verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things like silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from the ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You see what he's saying here? You learn to fear God, not just because he's your judge, but because he redeemed you. He ransomed you. He loves you so deeply that what he spared Abram from experiencing, he went through himself. He gave up his son. We were not redeemed by uh, treasures or jewels or money, silver or gold. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. In fact, do you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross in the Gospel of John, in, verse 19, in chapter 19, in verse 32, when they came to Jesus while he was hanging on the cross, the soldiers came and they broke the legs of the people who were next to him on both sides. They broke their legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those the other. But when they came to Jesus, when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Why? Well, instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. And the man who saw it has given testimony. His testimony is true. He knows and he, that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. And this is what he says, verse 36. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones was broken. You know what scripture he's talking about there? Psalm 34. So I want you to think about this. The ultimate reason that we have to put our trust in God, to fear the Lord, to hope in the Lord, to have a reverence, a deep awe of God, the ultimate reason to learn to fear the Lord is because he's deeply loved us. Loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. So we need to learn to fear the Lord then we'll never be afraid. It's not that we won't have fears. The, the disciples, even the apostles had fears. They were afraid of things. But we'll never really be afraid. Your face will shine. It'll be radiant. You'll never be ashamed. Because the most feared being 
in the universe will also be your best and most faithful friend. I'll end with this quick story. There's a story in um, Mark chapter 4 where the disciples got into this boat. They're crossing over the lake with Jesus. And Jesus had a long day. They're on the way. Jesus is tired and falls asleep. So they're crossing over. And um, this big storm comes up on the, on the water. So much so that even the disciples are really afraid. Even the ones who are fishermen. You know, and you can imagine they've seen a lot of storms. They're deeply afraid. And so they run to Jesus and they wake him up and they're like, hey, Jesus, don't you know that we are perishing? Don't you care that we are perishing? And in the story, when they wake him up, Jesus gets up. Of course, he quickly calms the wind and the waves. And the, fear, and the storm is gone. What's interesting to me, though, is the next line says that then the disciples feared with a mega fear. Yours may said they were terrified, but that's the idea. Literally, they feared with a mega fear. They had an even greater fear. Why? Well, because their eyes were now on the ruler oh, over the storm of life. And I want you to think about this. As we look around us in the world right now, there's a lot to be afraid of. There's a lot to fear. And a lot of these fears, if we fixate on them, they will paralyze us. They will lead to an even greater fear. They will, they will ultimately cause us great pain, and they'll lead us to panic, and they could even destroy us. But if we'll take our eyes off of the storms and turn our eyes upon Jesus, then we will be filled with a, we will fear with a mega fear. But it's not the same kind of fear. It's actually a healthy fear, a fear that does not lead to death. It's a fear that leads to eternal life. There are other stories in, in the Gospels where people saw Jesus and they were afraid and they were, filled, they were filled with a mega fear, but they drove Jesus away. They said, hey, I'm too afraid. I don't want to be near you. Please leave. And so the real question comes for us today. What will we do? with the fear of the Lord. Many people spend their whole lives trying to push out of mind their, the, the, the picture, the accurate picture of God given in, given in His Word because it's too hard for them to handle. They, they would rather push God away than have to face their fears of Him. But what's amazing about God is that is, as greatly as He is to be feared, He's also greatly to be loved. And if we'll run to him with our fears, he will wrap his arms around us and he will protect us. So don't run from him. Run to him. There's no refuge from him. There's only refuge in him. Let us pray. Oh Lord, teach us your way that we may walk in your truth. Unite our hearts to fear your name. Lord, teach us to look away from the storms of life to look back to the mighty works that you have accomplished in, from your almighty hand. Lord, teach us to fear you so that we will come to truly love you and in you find eternal life. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.